There will be some cars in more demand than others, but in the bank statement there's no photographs. Tom, would you say you're a dying breed of old school entrepreneur? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I look around me now, I look at the industry and I look at how it's been operated by others and it's just not the same. It's not the same, it's not got the same mentality. What I find is very interesting, and I've, I've been studying this for a while now because I've been wanting to do a podcast with you for quite a while. I know how popular and how many followers and how big you are on YouTube. So I've, I've saved some stuff up that I've not discussed with other people, which I think would be interesting for this podcast. Great. And, and what I find is very, is, is, is very noticeable to me is the lack of personalities of people in the car business. They're all dry, sour-faced, you know, just like watching paint dry. They haven't got that personality, that charisma, mm. and, and I'm finding that's, that's, that's dying out. Right. That's, that's one of the things. And, and the personality in any business, whether it's buying and selling supercars, luxury cars, classic cars, and anything, you need to have a personality. Because mm. it's all about connecting. For me, I'm a people's person. So I, I, I buy people. I can go and look at a car, I can like the car, I can't like the person, I don't buy the car. Mm. And yeah. how has the industry changed in the, how long have you been in it? Over 50 years now. Wow. This is, we're celebrating our 50th year now. And as I said, this is the first, first job I've done this morning since my 62nd birthday. We celebrated on Saturday here on the Hartley State with family. So um, I was also looking forward to making that a point. Um, and uh, nothing will change for me though I'm 62. I get up in the morning, I was up this morning at past five, doing emails. Um, I wake up most mornings at past five and I'm, I'm, I'm at it by six o'clock. Mm. And, and, and that's what I do. And, and I do that. Do you get a buzz out of doing a deal? Every time. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. You know, it's a bad deal. Yeah. You know, sometimes uh, you have to do bad deals. Uh, and that bad deals mean that you lose money on some cars. But the size of this business is today, it's inevitable that's going to happen because of the stock that we mm. have to carry. Yeah. And what's the total stock you've got in right now? Today, it would be in excess of 30 million. Wow. And it's quite low, to be honest with you. You know, we have, I mean, some of our cars can be five and 10 million. So yeah. when that happens, it goes from like that to 40, 50 very quickly. Yeah. But we, we have we have carried over 100 million stock on, on site. Wow. So it's, it's, it can't get up to as high as that. Mm. And um, if there's any cars right now you could grab and have in the showroom, what would they be? What, what sells great? You know, Anything sells great if the price is right. Right. So there isn't a car. For me, I don't look at look at that. It's what, what the, the buy, uh, the quality of the buy is. Mm. And what one man likes, another man doesn't. Yeah. So it's very important that, and that's another thing where new school doesn't understand. That, that line you just gave me. Yeah. Okay, there, there will be some cars in more demand than others. But in the bank statement, there's no photographs. Yeah. So whatever you want, as long as it makes a profit, it's irrelevant. Yeah. It is to me as an entrepreneur. Yeah. But, you know, in, 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 in short term, answer to your question, Ferrari's always a strong brand. Yeah. Ferrari's always good. Um, Porsche, very good. Um, but, but generally, for me, whatever I got off in the way of luxury performance or classic cars is a good buy mm. if I buy it correctly. Yeah. And is the market a bit sort of strong and overhyped at the moment? No, I think, I think what's also not quite clear um, again, I, I, use this, I use the term one man's meets another man's poison. You put the television on, it can be CNN, ABC, and I have CNN on, on all the time, and, and Bloomberg, and you listen to some of the reports that are coming through, and it, it would almost make you go and cut your wrists. Well, it's the totally opposite in the real world, because there's lots of wealth out there, 
And the people who had lots of money have got more money now than they had before. Mm. So wealth will make wealth and money will make money. Yeah. And at this calibre of the clients that we deal with, okay, they might go through a, a little bit of a patch, but if they're hands-on uh, old school entrepreneurs, they they just make it happen. Yeah. And it will happen if you want it to happen. But if you listen to the television, you say, oh, I'm not going to go out to the UK, it's going to be horrible. That's exactly how it's going to be. Yeah. It was really interesting talking to Carl earlier because he says he'll take watches in for cars and he'll trade watches for cars. We took, we took five watches in the last week, which was half a million pounds on average. One, one watch was 250. Yeah. Um, but with 500,000, there was, there was one watch coming in at one stage for one and a half million. Wow. One watch. Yeah. So um, you, you trade cars, you trade watches, you trade whatever. But that's what we do. You know, yeah. At the end of the day, we buy and sell. And, and you've been here, you visited here a couple of times. In fact, you're one of our our regular clients now. You, <laughs> I keep buying every stuff. Time you, every time you come here to an interview, you, you buy a car. Yeah, so, that's really Which, I, which I'm, very, I'm very proud of. And I'm very, <laughs> I'm very, I think you're most welcome to come anytime you want. Um, so, you know, when people come in and you, you can see when they arrive, uh, you've done it yourself now, it's quite different to visiting a city centre showroom mm. for a number of reasons. Yeah. Um, first of all, the, 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 um, the garden areas are always immaculate and flowered up in the summertime and the wintertime is the same. The ground is always immaculate. And the fact that we have four houses on the estate, my house and Carl's in particular, it just gives people that homely feeling. Mm. You know, it's not like, will they be here tomorrow? Yeah. We've been here for over 50 years, a good chance we're going to be here tomorrow. Mm. But that's even just making it more concrete. Yeah. What's the most expensive car you've ever sold? Well, we can't talk about that on record, unfortunately, because um, we had to sign a declaration. In some cars, we do have to sign declarations on that we can't discuss the sale. But it was in the tens of millions. Wow. Tens of millions. And what's the most expensive car you've sold that you can talk about? Well, when you get to the level I'm talking about, um, you know, recently we sold a Bugatti for 3.9 million uh, to a, a customer. I think, I don't know if you were told the story. It was one of Carl's customers originally, the young kid phoned him up. Were you told the story? No. A young kid phoned Carl up and talked about Lamborghini Urus. And Carl could tell he was a kid on the phone, but Carl also could remember when he was a kid. And he used to do that for me. So he gave him the respect and the time. Mm. And the kid was asking all the right questions. Like an adult would do. So a 25 minute conversation lasted and it ended. And um, the kid said to Carl, but before it ended, he said, what do I do now to reserve it? Carl said, well, obviously you haven't got a credit card. He said, how old are you? I'm 12. He said, do you want to get your mum and dad with a credit card? He said, no, I'll reserve it for you. 10 minutes went by, a call came in from my lady. And she said, you've just been talking to my son because we're in Dubai at the moment. English, also live in Cheshire and live in South Africa. And um, she said, you said to call back with a credit card deposit. I'm just going to give him a credit card deposit. So the car was sold. And they flew here a couple of weeks later in a helicopter. There are more people arrive here by helicopter than they do by cars. That's quite knowledgeable to people. And they arrived in a helicopter on Saturday afternoon and the car wasn't here. And um, I met the young kid. And the guy told me, he said, um, I, I followed your career for years and years and years. My father used to follow it. He's also followed how you educated your sons in the business. He said, I thought, I'll try it with him. He said, that's why I'm here. Mm. And he looked in the corner to me, we had a, a, a Bugatti um, Supersport. And he said, what do you think of them? And, and I asked him in my mind, even if I don't like a car, I'm trying to sell it to a customer, I'll give him my honest opinion. And uh, I said, you know, I'm not a lover of Bugatti, which I'm not. And uh, he said, well, I'm going to buy a I sure on the other day, and he told me about a car that I knew where it was, one mile from where he lived. Not the name of the dealer. Been there for six months, but I happened to know the guy who owned the car, who left it in the dealership. 
So I said, I can buy that car. He said, really? I said, he said, how much can you buy it? He said, well, they asked me four million for it. I said, I can save you a few pounds, I can save you a hundred thousand. He said, well, you can sell it to me for 3.9. I said, I think I can, give me two minutes. So I phoned the guy up who owned the car, and I told him the truth. I said, this guy's been to look at your car. Anyway, he said, okay, I agreed to deal a price with him. Went back out, told him it was his for 3.9 million, and we delivered it the next day. He lived one mile from the dealer. We'd had the car for six months. So the essence of the story is, never judge a book by its cover, mm. and always take the inquiry seriously. Mm. That's what you call old school. Right. That wouldn't happen today in the modern showroom. Yeah. Had you not walked in there with a million pound in a suitcase, or two or three hundred thousand, they wouldn't talk to you. Yeah. That's just a deal coming through. Yeah. Why don't you like Bugattis? Because I, I've seen Bugatti for a long time. I've seen them before they were actually launched, going to Geneva Motor Show for many years. And, and I say I don't like them. I don't think you need to spend four million pounds on a car to have a great supercar. That's why I don't, I don't mm. like them. And I'm very much, I like my pound for pound, my value for money. Yeah. And I, I like to think if you could put five or six supercars in replace of the place of a Bugatti, I think that's much more enjoyable. Mm. And what do you think is a great value supercar? A great value supercar today, well, there's some um, some Porsches now that have become, uh, depending, uh, classic cars or, old, or newer cars? Either. Um, and the classic, Jaguar are getting quite strong in, in, in the, the classic market now. They're catching up in prices where they should be. Um, again, you can't get away from Ferrari and Porsche. What's good value for money? Anything that's low mileage with full service history and it's good condition. Um, is, is, is good value for money. Mm. And what cars at the moment do well for the residual, like hold their value well? Well, the most successful car in modern times today, um, which is quite in incredible because I didn't really like the car when it came out. And I, and I done a press piece with, I think, Autocar Magazine, giving a bad opinion of, I don't think it'll be, it'll be that successful. So I'm first to put my hands up and I get quotes wrong. And it was Lamborghini Urus. It's been the most successful residual value car that I've ever remembered. Right. You know, you could have had a Lamborghini Urus five years ago, done 30,000, 40,000 miles in it and get your money back. And is that because there's so few of them? Yeah. Everyone wants them. And everybody wants them, yeah. yeah. And, and by the way, after I made that statement, it was just on launch, I hadn't driven one. So I was a bit premature in making that, that statement. And I drove one and, and then I can understand why they're so popular because they are a great car. Mm. You don't actually need an Aventador if you've got a Lamborghini Urus. No. What about the RSQ8? Because I've just bought it off you for my yeah. wife. I mean, that's surely a good value car. Fantastic car. Yeah. Fantastic car. I drove that car. Yeah. And it was just. Is it not like having a Eurus? But, but, it, but it, this is the next. But good point you're making. Excuse me. Is it, that that car you've just purchased for your wife? I drove that car last week, and and I said to Carl exactly the same thing, and and we agreed. It's just a Eurus with an ID badge on it. Mm. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Fantastic. Fabulous car to drive. Yeah. Actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because you wouldn't know the difference if you blindfolded somebody and said, what are you driving? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds great as well, mm. doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. Great car. Mm. I hope you enjoy it. I hope your wife enjoys it. I'm sure she will, yeah. Mm. She's getting rid of the Range Rover. She's had enough of that. Yeah. Um, Range Rover's been quite successful over the last two years. Yeah. The new model has been very successful. Yeah. Do you think it's a bubble? Do you think the market... Because normally you buy new cars and they drop, don't they? Well, they do, but, you know, at the end of the day... When you work hard and, and you want what you want in life, um, as you get older, you find, I know it's important, but it's not that important. If that's what it is, that's what it is. Yeah. If you want to drive it, you've got to pay for it. Yeah. But of recent time, that hasn't been the case. No. The last two or three years, people have been buying cars and, and, and actually not losing any money at all. And do you think that's 
COVID that, lockdown, yeah, low yeah, that, supply. That, that, that won't last. It won't be. No. It won't be something that lasts. No, that'll definitely. And it's starting to disappear a little bit now. Yeah. Is the customer always right? Um, well, with me, it isn't because I've got I've got that I've got that mannerism as I've said to you earlier. I speak my mind, and sometimes it gets me into trouble. But I see it as it is, and I feel better with that. So, you know, if somebody's giving me an opinion on something, I wouldn't necessarily. This sounds quite strange for me to say this with my track record, but I'm not actually a salesman. I don't sell anything to anybody. And if somebody tries to sell something to me, I wouldn't buy it. So the point I'm making, when somebody comes here, the brand, the quality and the product is good enough not to sell itself, to sell itself, sorry. Mm. So when you say you're not a salesperson, what are you then if you're not a salesperson? I'm a person who looks at a person in the eye, answers the questions I don't know, and tells them what the deal is. Mm. I wouldn't go into one, that car looks lovely with you, you, you you, know, you look lovely in that car, <laughs> and all that shit that the modern salesman do now. <laughs> I tell them to scream my face, I tell them to fuck off. <laughs> you know? And I do, I do that when I walk into a clothes shop. He tells me that if I put a jacket on, I don't shop. I've been married, my wife's a shopaholic. Okay, she shops, she's just a shopaholic. And, and, and I think I've been shopping with her twice in 43 years. Twice. Yeah. 43 years. So I haven't got time to shop, that's the most important thing for me. I haven't got time to shop. So I go to places that I know know me, and I walk in there, I know what I want to put it on. But in the past, if somebody ever, if somebody passed comment, a guy in the shop, that jacket was nice, and I wouldn't buy it. Yeah. Because I won't be forced. I, I'm quite sensible enough and educated enough, I believe, to know whether a jacket looks nice on me or not, yeah. if I'm going to be wearing it. So the type of guy we deal with here, he's been very successful, works very hard, big money, and he comes into a showroom for a salesman to tell him how, you know, shit that he doesn't want to hear. He mm. has a good time to listen to it. Yeah. He knows if he wants the car, he doesn't want the car. Mm. So that's what I call respecting the customer's education, his personality. You know, he doesn't need to be told a lot of shit. Yeah. Or sound like he's been told a lot of shit. Yeah. And that's the clientele I deal with. Right. So you do think the products can sell themselves? Absolutely. Yeah. You do, you, hold on a second, you're a perfect example. <laughs> you, 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 you're a perfect example. Yeah. You walked into this morning to do a podcast for me. You see an RS6, well, you sold it? Mm. No, just, no. Why? Just knew I wanted, wanted one. one. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You know, you wanted one. I think yeah. it took you about four minutes to buy it. Yeah. You asked two, three questions for what I understand, and you bought it. Yeah. But was that not, is that not confirming what I've just said? Yeah, yeah, true, because when the last came and I saw the 930. You've done the same thing? Yeah. You've done the same thing? Yeah. By the way, that was a fantastic car. Yeah. you still got it? Yeah, yeah. Great car. Yeah. Great car. Yeah, you, you can right. almost daily that. Do you know, I, drove, I, sold, I sold so many of them in the day when they were new. I wrote one of them off when they were new. <laughs> but um, honestly, I, there's nobody, this is going on record, nobody sold more 911 turbos in the 80s, 70s and 80s than Tom Hartley. Really? Fact. Yeah. To you. And it's not any sales more than us now. Yeah. But I'm telling you, when, when I was independent, and it was just me, and there wasn't my sons around at the time, I, I, I sold them you know, more than any 10 dealers in this country. Mm. All them all 10 dealers have gone now. Yeah. You know, the motor tune, uh, which is an old Porsche, I mean, I mean nothing to you. Motor tune was no big uh, Porsche dealer in, 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 uh, in, in London. And they got quite a AFN, we're big Porsche dealers. Yeah. None of them exist now. Yeah. But AFN do still in Reading. Mm. They call it Porsche Reading now. Yeah. And um, Carl got into the business really young, didn't he? Yeah, both my sons did. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was a real life because, <clears throat> I mean, he's quite fortunate because most young men, uh, probably eight out of 10, love cars. And he just happened to be um, fortunate enough that he started with the car business. Mm. 
So both my sons took advantage of an opportunity, and I don't feel guilty for giving them that opportunity to make the best out of life um, and, and be in the car business. But I took them out of school at the age 11 and 12, and all their education was done sitting in my office in the showroom. Mm. And we had, a, we had to, we had to devise, devise a programme for them for watching CNN news, looking at the Times newspaper, do some sport, play golf. So there was a variation of things that helped with their education that I'd done myself. Mm. And when I'd done that back in the 80s, I was finding myself on television programmes like Vanessa Phillips, Esther Ranson, mm. because they all having to go at me, not in particular, the, the, the out there people, critics, why is he taking his children out? He's like, they can't do this, you shouldn't do this. Anyway, I explained to them, I come from Romani culture, which are travelling people. And we are, we're very self-respectful and we earn money from the age of 10 or 11. As soon as we're able to earn money, however we earn it, that's what we'll start doing. And I had my autobiography uh, two years ago up the stair in my, in, the, in my boardroom. My ghostwriter, who used to work for the Sunday Times, slapped the front page of the Daily Mail on the desk for me. And it was talking about how Simon Carroll is doing exactly the same thing with his son. And how MPs in the House of the Parliament are putting out there to young kids to start earning money, whether it's paper rounds, cleaning windows, whatever it is, entrepreneurship needs to start early. Mm. I've done that well, I done it when I was 50 years ago, when it was my yeah. age. And I've done it with my sons, it was wrong. Now they're saying it's right. Yeah. And do you like working with your sons? Yeah, we have, a, we have a great time. It's good to have young blood in the business. Mm. I mean, he takes care of a lot of the, well, as partners, and he's a full partner of this business, he owns the business as well as me, he's co-owned. He bought his way into that as he, as he developed with his profits. And uh, it's exactly 50-50. And uh, the good thing about that is he's got his customers he deals with, mm. and I've got my customers that deals with, with different personalities. Yeah. I say that, that suit him, it don't suit me. Mm. And this modern technology, I mean, Doing deals on WhatsApp nowadays yeah. is a way of life for us. Mm. And um, didn't uh, Tom Jr. set up on his own? Almost became a competitor. No, I wouldn't say he was a competitor. He was more in, more in the restoring cars right. and classic cars. Uh, people would like to, you know, competitors not something we look at. There's a big marketplace out there mm. and it's enough for everybody. Uh, he had a great education in this business. He introduced uh, sort of the class, more of the classic car side of it in 2008. When the credit crunch came here, we talked about how we should maybe do a bit more of that because people were investing in that type of thing. And it grew and it grew and it grew. He started to enjoy doing that type of thing. And he enjoyed looking at how a car can be restored, where it can become. So it's time consuming, it's very passionate about that. As opposed to me, it's a quick deal, I just do the deals. I'm, you know, I, I've got a reputation as a deal maker because mm. I make deals that happens. Mm. The way he runs his business is a bit more long-term. Yeah. He still sells, he still sells uh, supercars and other cars, but you know, Unlike him and anybody else, we, we don't feel there's any competitors. We don't look at a competitors. And if it was my son, I've got no problem. Mm. Um, if there's one thing I've got no problem bowing to the two people in life, and my two sons, mm. I've got no problem with that. I've got a problem with everybody else. Because yeah. I refuse to do that. Because yeah. I don't need to do it. It's not for me to do. And it, it'll never be done. Mm. Has anyone ever brought um, a car off you with Bitcoin? Yeah, we did, I think Carl, we've done a deal recently with Bitcoin. We'll, we'll take any currency. Yeah. And cash? Do people come in and pay with cash? Don't take cash. No. Take up to £9,000. And if it's £9,000, it goes straight to the bank. Yeah. You know, going back in my early days, when I bought and sold cars as a teenager, I bought and sold cars with a suitcase of cash. Yeah. But when 100000 was, we could buy a lot of cars. A new Rolls Royce in 1977 was £25,600. Mm. A new Rolls Royce. Yeah. 
So paying for two Rolls Royce out of a suitcase was not a problem. No. And that's how you dealt in them days. Yeah. You paid by cash. You know, there's not bank transfers, a bank of drafts. Yeah. But you know, that, that died out as it does now. I mean, I still carry cash in my pocket to pay for things because I'm more school. Mm. I don't like using a credit card if I can help it. Yeah. And I've never been one for into borrowing in any event. Nah. It's very, very, there'll be some people watch this podcast and actually think it's, a, it's nearly an impossible statement to make. I have never had a higher purchase agreement in my life for anything. Right. So I've reinvested every time I've made money. Yeah. I've reinvested into the business, reinvested, reinvested, reinvested it. And that's where I made it the hard way, but there's nobody knocked on my door to tell me all the money. Nah. It's what you call a debt-free journey. So if you have or own a car, you'll buy it outright? Everything's paid for, yeah. Yeah. Everything's paid for. Do you do consignment sometimes when you sell cars? You know, we'll do that. We'll do that with customers who we've dealt with more than 10 years. Yeah. They're what we call long, loyal, reliable customers for a number of reasons. Um, That type of arrangement can be quite difficult to actually get the deal done. So you need to know the personality you're dealing with and trust them Mm. so they can help you work together. Yeah. But as a rule of thumb... I've always been of the attitude and always, and always talked to Carl about this. We like to have it and we own it. Yeah. And then we can do what we want to do with it. Yeah. That's really the right way. But sometimes, you know, you, you've got no option to keep the deal, keep the customer mm. and get a bit better price. You've got to do it that way. Yeah. Can you remember the first car you ever sold? Oh, oh sorry. That's all right. <laughs> okay, there go on. <laughs> Power go on. car. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's the honest sensor. That's it. You can edit that, can you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so the, the first, yeah, the, uh, the first car I ever sold, it was a Range Rover in 1971. It just came out with 1940 pounds when they came out. Wow, and, and that's I heard inflation. It, yeah, that's what it was when they came out. Yeah, and did you make all right on it? I paid 250 pounds. And what did you sell it for? 250 pounds more, so yeah, 2,100 pounds. Wow. So back then, 2,100 pounds was the price of a new Range Rover, and it was put together by a friend of my father who I know wanted one and a relative who I knew who wanted to sell one, who had one coming. Yeah. And I just put the deal together. Yeah. And then I got the flavour. And then I used to go to the car auctions in Scotland and I used to um, go there on my school my days off school, which was a Wednesday and a Thursday. Wednesday was in, um, in, um, Wednesday was in um, Glasgow and Thursday was an Edinburgh auction in Scotland. Mm. So I used to go there, sit, Watch, I mean, Glasgow auction in the 70s, it was a place where a lot of things went on apart from buying and selling cars. So for a young guy to see that, it, it was quite an experience. And, and it, it stood me in good stead. It's what you call being streetwise. Mm. Um, I'm not, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I actually, this is some deals coming through, excuse me. I actually, um, actually lecture where we're sitting here now. I once a month lecture to school children. One of the schools is, um, is at Repton. Repton's probably the most exclusive uh, private school in Europe. The essence of the story is, here's a guy lecturing to school children who can't read and write. I mean, I can't read, I can just about write. My maths is very good. But as the Repton and other school teachers would make it or put it, they can teach them what they need to teach them in life, but they can't teach them how to be business people because they're not business people. Mm. So. Entrepreneurship is something that you don't really teach, but you can explain to people how it works. Yeah. And if you get that spark in them and give them that belief, and seeing here is a belief, mm. it can drive them forward. Mm. And they can't get that from a school teacher. And why school don't you... not done it. Yeah, why don't you think they teach about entrepreneurship in school? 
Well, first of all, how can you teach somebody about entrepreneurship if they're not an entrepreneur? Mm. So you think entrepreneur is something that's born in you, do you? Well, yeah, and I, I do believe, I just said to you, that, uh, uh, you're not going to teach me how to play golf like Tiger Woods, are you? No, but you could learn golf, couldn't you, from you, someone who's a good golf coach? Yeah, but that, exactly. Mm. So you're not going to learn, a school teacher's not a good business person, are they? No, no, they're not. That, that's the point. Mm. And I've opened up an area in that sector, unlike anybody in business that I'm aware of, I understand I have, mm. where it gives me, for me, it's giving back to my area and my community what they've given to me. Yeah. You know, we own half this village. Mm. Not just to show when we arrived here 42 years ago, arrived here where you're sitting, a bit, this is the basement of the new showroom, on the ground floor, I arrived here in a caravan, yeah. me and my wife, mm. and half an acre of ground. There's now 50 acres on the Hartley Estate, and I have 200 holiday homes in the village. Mm. So that's all been, all because of the area, really. Yeah. And I don't know if you read the letter on the wall up the stair with the coat of arms. Did you read the letter? Well, on the having wall? a look at was that with I'd li- I'd li- I'd the like, one in there? Can I, there's one. There's one. There's one on this hallway here. Yeah. I'd like you to read the wording on that letter. Yeah. In this podcast, because I think it sums up exactly what I'm trying to say to you. They hold me. They make a point of how responsible I was for making the economy the way it is today in this area, mm. and they gave me the coat of arms to keep on here for life. Right. Which is unbelievable. Yeah. Never been done. No. So the point they're making, people who have had come here to fly in helicopters and make visits and bring money and wealth wouldn't have come here had Tom Hartley not been here. Yeah. That's the point. Mm. So, um, you know, I feel, um, I just celebrated my 62nd birthday the weekend. I get great pleasure out of um, speaking with children here for an hour and telling them the things in life that will hit them uh, to try and help them Mm. and tell them to... uh, you know, be focused to put a bit more time. I, I use phrases, I also do videos, I don't know if you've watched them or not, where, where I refer to people being lazy bastards in the morning. It, you wouldn't believe the response. It comes from all over the world, from their videos, people mm. motivating people. And actually, I had one at the weekend, I've got to show you this, I had one at the weekend come in, uh, an email from a guy, and I actually replied to him last night, and he basically said, you know, my life was falling apart, and, and i seen what you said. I got back together, he said, now, Things are so great in my life. Often watching, you know, a bit of a motivation video. Mm. And I get emails from very powerful people who tell me it keeps them on the toes. Mm. And they don't get complacent because complacent is a horrible thing. Yeah. How many things everything you've got today can be there tomorrow is wrong. Mm. That's not always the case. No. You've got to make it be there tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it um so I enjoy trying to help mm. youngsters. And I don't I'm not aware of anybody else that has in business. Definitely not the car business, for sure. Um, um, I mean, I, I move as I, I need to just, can you, can you look at that for a second? Just mm. read that. Look at the date when it came in. So this was 17th of June from Lewis Bunting. Two days ago. Good afternoon. This might not ever reach Tom, but still. Tom, today is the 17th of June, your birthday. Happy birthday. A day ago, I finished your book. And from what you have spoken of today is a milestone for, for you today and me as well as family, friends, and your fans are happy for you. The, the book is just no words to explain, so inspirational from beginning to end. I'm gutted I missed the time when you signed them. I've taken a lot on board already from what's already in the book prior to reading it. As they say, great minds think alike. I've got it set in my mind. I'm coming to see your estate one day and to purchase a car there. No two ways it will happen. Enjoy the rest of your birthday. I get them all the time. Forklift instructor. Yeah, I get them all the time. Yeah. How, do you know how special that makes me feel? Yeah. You really can't put the words how special that makes me feel. No. 
And what is it to be streetwise? Like, what, did you, what do you learn on the street that you don't learn in school? Well, it's so important. It's so important. I mean, I don't know you that well, but I know, I know you're fairly, you, you're good at what you do. So obviously, um, I would like to be not being judgmental, but I'd like to assume that you've got quite a bit of streetwise in you and understand that you've been out there, you've had difficult times. Some people can make money so quick in life, and as used the word complacency a minute, a minute ago, they're not streetwise. You know, they haven't had it hard. They haven't seen people who've had it hard. I, I had a very unfortunate, as a young guy, I was a self-made millionaire when I was 18 in 1979. When I was a millionaire self-made in 18, 1979, the only people that millionaires at my age at that time were the Arabs or rock stars. They weren't business people. Mm. But I had a, a situation arise by giants of the business, i.e. Porsche, BMW and Mercedes in particular. They ganged up on me and they created a thing called type approval number because I was importing cars. The only person to import, first person to import cars into the UK of luxury cars was Tom Hartley. Not arguable, fact, fact. And I was making that much money as a teenager, but I loved doing it anyway. I wasn't thinking about the money, I just loved doing the deals. And they ganged up on me and created type approval number. And because the type approval number meant one car, one person, not a lot of cars per person, you couldn't import them. And I had to lose my deposits to put me out of business. So it put me out of business at an age where I'd already been there and done it before I was 20. And then I had a health problem in my eyes. Coracoconus had an idea that I'd have a big operation. And I, I let everything, everything sort of just disappeared. There's my complacency. I wasn't complacent, I just got a bit of bad luck. And I was too good at what I was doing, that caused me the problem. So I'd start all over again. There was never going to be a problem to start all over again because I'd already been there, I know what I had to do, but just do it a little bit of a different way. Mm. And it was a great experience. So that's the part of being streetwise. You have to, you know, I, I, there's, a, there's, there's something I always use when I'm, when I'm lecturing to children, is um, 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 experience, uh, gut feeling and experience is far better than research and training. In other words, if you experience it and you have a gut feeling for it, right, it's far better than research and training. Research and training doesn't doesn't give it to you. It gives you an idea. Mm. It doesn't give it to you. Mm. It's like my sons, when you said about I educated them. Geography. When I used to go out to places like Stratford or to Dundee in Scotland, I'd take them with me. Mm. They'd see it. I wouldn't show them on a book. That's Dundee. That's Stratford. They go to the places and visit them. Yeah. So that's what I call the real thing. Mm. You know, that's experiencing streetwise. Yeah. Streetwise can be misinterpreted in other areas. Other things is, you know, not always trusting somebody. Mm. And, and there's a very fine line on how you deal with that because you lose a lot of business if you don't trust people and you'll lose a lot of business if you trust everybody. Mm. So it's, it's a very fine line. Mm. Who's the most famous person you've sold a car to? They've all been here. The Pope's not been here. Yeah. <laughs> and the Queen's not been here. But I think we need to take some shots of my, even my existing original showroom now because it's a 70s office. Yeah. I need, you, I need you to see that. Okay. And they're all on the wall. Yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber's, Rod Stewart's, Elton John's. Yeah. Oh, carry on. Yeah. Carry on. I said, I know the Pope hasn't been here. And I, God rest her soul, I know the Queen never did visit here. Mm. But I think everybody else has. Yeah. What do you think is easier to sell, 10 Fords or one Bugatti? Uh, that's quite a good question. 
um, what as we are in the marketplace just now? Yeah. Well, the easy answer to that question is it depends on the price of them. Right. Simple as that. Mm. Price dictates everything. Right. There's nothing that's not easy to sell if it's priced properly. Yeah. That's a simple, that's a simple answer. Mm. You know, if there are people out there who are trying to go with the flow and, and it's not happening, that's because it's too high on price. Yeah. If there's one client you'd love to have but you haven't got, who would it be? Do you know that's quite a good question? It's, it's very difficult to answer that question because, oh sorry, you see, we need to go in the office and have a look at the other stuff over there because it's quite that question about the historic and the people that have been here is great. Mm. And by the way, I, you, I want you to, I, I want, did, were you in the mother office? Yeah. Did you go, have you been in there? The one with all the pictures yeah, on the wall. you've been there, have you? Yeah, yeah, so in, the, know, in the other building. So you know what it feels like there. Yeah. Do you feel anything when you go in there? There's the aura in that office. Yeah, history, history. Yeah. Is yeah. there? Yeah. It's, it's, it, 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 you feel it. Mm. I take young guys in there and like, they have orgasms. Like, wow, <laughs> you know? It's like, you know, we don't see this today. Yeah. No computers on the desk. Yeah. And, and yet they can smell and feel, and you can't smell and feel exactly what's happened in there. Yeah. And it still happens today. Mm. And that'll never change, it'll always be that way. Yeah. So, um, uh, uh, there's some interesting people I admire. I admire a lot of people. A lot of, I admire a lot of people in uh, 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 successful. I like people who are uh, dedicated and still, you know, don't find themselves just floating up and down in a yacht in the Caribbean, mm. flying a private jet everywhere. I know life should be enjoyed, but I like people who see it to the end and carry on doing it. Yeah. Carry on doing it to the end. Mm. And if you could have one million pound cash or one million extra engaged social media followers, which would you have and why? If I could have one million pound cash mm-hmm. or one million extra engaged social media followers, which would you take? Well, the million pound in cash is not going to change my lifestyle in any way at all or what I do, as much as I'd want to have it. Um, the million followers on social media, I know it sounds very difficult. I know you've got lots of followers to do your, your YouTube stuff, but uh, I have a great, I think just now about 140,000 or so followers. Between me and Carl, we've got about 300,000. And the followers that I've got, I'm also a great believer in, 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 in um, quality about the quantity. Mm. So in answer to your question, without being rude about it, I don't think the million followers, the extra followers that I have, would be any more loyal than the 130,000 I've got now. Because mm. I do believe the 130,000 followers I've got uh, are really loyal, the, the proper followers. Yeah. At the same token, on that note, as you well know, there are some knobheads out there that just just do some stupid statements, stupid things. We have comments sometimes from from people we've never even met, mm. don't even know them, yeah. and they make it sound like you do. Mm. But um, in life, uh, in life, uh, these things come along to test you. In fact, recently I can't talk about it on camera, but I would love to talk about it on camera. But I can't. Um, I'm facing a challenge at the moment. It's quite just absolutely hilarious to think that I'm having to deal with what I'm having to deal with, but I'm going to deal with it, and uh, and I'm going to come out of it with the right way and an apology. So there's some legal cases or yeah. something, yeah. Yeah. What someone suing you? No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. It's to do with um, I can't talk about it too much. It's to do with uh, a very serious body uh, uh, out there, a government area body. And it's about information um, that has been caused by a staff member right. communicating. Mm. I can't say any more than that about it, but it's become it's quite out there. Yeah. 
and it's it's not been embarrassing for me because it's just another chapter in my book. Mm. It's just something else I'll, I'll I'll deal with. Yeah. But if you want to be a critic, you can make something of it. Mm. I want to make something of it. Yeah. When in fact there's nothing to make of it. Yeah. So these are things that you know the challenges in life. Mm. What's the easiest car to nick? Well, I, I live in London 50% of my time. I live in Knightsbridge. In fact, I'm going there tonight. Um, I spend the first part of the week, mid, middle part of the week to the end, or sometimes the first part of the week. Anyway, 50-50 between here and, the, and London. And I was there with a friend um, two, three weeks ago. And my wife was driving. My wife had a new Range Rover, uh, driving a new Range Rover, and he had a new Range Rover. He had the old model Range Rover to like, excuse me. And they were parked, my house is right opposite the historical museum in, 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 in 800 yards from Knightsbridge. When I come up the next morning at seven o'clock, I went to go to the REC club, which is where I go to for the spa. I'm a member of this great place. I don't know if you've ever been to the REC club, no. a fabulous place, mm. fantastic. And when I went outside, I could only see one Range Rover. So I said to my friend, I said, you know, you come down here with a Range Rover. He said, there's only one Range Rover outside. And he got nicked. In answer to your question, the easiest car in the world to nick, and in fact, you can't get one insured in London now, and you're a Range Rover, you won't insure it. Wow. That's a fact. Mm. And the policeman told me when he came round to my house, he said, hey, Mr. Hartley, he said, um, he's a bit of a follower, by the way, he was a follower on social media. Yeah. I just saw him, mm. the Bobby, you come round. He said, I know you're in the car business. He said, but you know, 120 cars a day, Mayfair, South Kensington, Knightsbridge, Chelsea, Shit. and Central London get stole. And watches get nicked there, don't they, a lot? Uh, and 75% of them are Range Rovers. Shit. Of the 120. Wow. What, um, what advice would you give to yourself if you were starting again? What would you do differently? I wouldn't do anything differently. Nothing at all? Yeah. No regrets? No regrets, no. No mistakes? I mean, play mistakes. Yeah. Play mistakes. Mm. But they, they weren't regrets. Yeah. They were educational. Mm. And and I teach this to kids here, anybody who thinks that they can go through life and don't make mistakes, whenever you miss the Billy Big Bollocks, mm. is, is basically a liar, <laughs> okay? There's a plenty of them out there. Yeah. Um, but he's, it's just a liar. Mm. You have to make mistakes in life. Yeah. Um, you know, I hear some quotes that talk about the guy who, uh, Harry Potter, failed so many times. Mm. And they talk about, you know, the, the great baseball player, how, how he, he made me give up. Uh, I had a situation where I've ever felt I was going to give up. Not really come close to it once or twice, but stuck with it. It stuck with my dream. And, and I often say this, and it's quite difficult to believe, but this place as you see it now, I've seen it, I've seen it like this as a kid. It was a vision. Mm. It was a vision, a dream. Yeah. Very hard to believe, but and if you don't believe I don't care, but it's the truth. Mm. Well, Arnie's just released his documentary and he talks a lot about seeing things before they have happen, having a great imagination. It's a story of my life. Yeah. story of my life. Feeling. Mm. I get my best ideas at four or five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know, it comes and I think about it and I get it done. Mm. I deal with it. It's an incredible thing. Vision's an incredible thing, but it's a, it's a real unique, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a unique um, gift to have. Mm. People do have it. I'd mm. like to think I've had it. Well, I know I've had it. Yeah. I know I've got it, mm. for a fact. Is it a good time now to buy or sell a car? There's never a good time to buy or sell a car. Never? No, if no. you're a seller, it's the problem why you're selling it, and if you're a buyer, you've got to pay the price. Yeah. So the answer to the question, without being blunt on that answer, is 
There's never you got to do it today. Mm. Whatever's the right thing to do, you must do it. What's the bad time to sell a car when you're losing so much money? But if that's what you need to do today, that's what you need to do. Yeah, that's how it has to be. Mm. And that's the entrepreneurship opinion and gut feeling coming out on me. Yeah, entrepreneurs like they move on. You know, they don't look back. Mm. Even the mistakes they've made or the good deals, they make a good deal today. They don't go and celebrate it. No, because it's not the deal. Yeah, that's what they do. Mm. Are you still hungry? Hungrier than ever. Yeah? Do you so think I, you'll just do this forever? Ever. I'll be found dead in here. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a fact. I will be found dead in the showroom. Yeah. Or the other showroom. Uh, and that's the way I'd like to die. Mm. And when I get die, I'm going to get buried on here. So this is my life. Mm. And and this is what I do. And I do it because I love doing it. I love the buzz. I'm very passionate about the name Tom Hartley, the brand. Very passionate. Um, uh, I love wearing it. I love seeing it. I love hearing it because it's been so much to me in my life. Mm. And it is my life. What keeps you hungry? Tom Hartley. Somebody asked me a question recently. It was a great question. Um, And it wasn't wasn't a podcast. It was an interview I was doing by... It was an interview in an American magazine in New York, New York something. And he said, what makes you so good at selling... what, What makes you so great at selling cars? I said, being Tom Hartley, which is what it is, being Tom Hartley. It's my technique. It's background, reputation, trust, all the things that you want to have to do business with a person. And that's why I'm so passionate about the name. Mm. It is somebody, that I don't think you'll ever speak to anybody in business that's more passionate about the name of the brand than I am. Mm. You get people like Richard Branson would feel the same thing and say the same thing. Because that's how he feels about his airlines and his rockets mm. and, and his other businesses. You get somebody like Donald Trump. Same thing. You see, I personally, I think Donald Trump's a great thing, a great thing and a great person for America as a president. I personally think that. Got slagged off for some people for it. 75 million other people think it as well. Mm. You know, he had the country in a great, a great way, in a great place. And as a businessman, like we just talked about school teachers, these politics, you need... This country's need, even this country needs business people to run it. Mm. Streetwise. Yeah. So if there was a competition, start from scratch, no contacts, yourself versus your son, Carl, who's going to sell the most cars? Um, well, you'd like to think 50 years of experience would be better than <laughs> 20, uh, 30. Well, in his case, it's almost now yeah, 20 years of experience with him. He's nearly close to 20. He's only doing it since he was 12. Mm. I still think there's no experience like old school. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, very old school. <laughs> yeah. There's no experience like that, and I don't know if you'd agree with that. Yeah. I wouldn't want to have that competition with him because he's very good at what he does. Yeah. But as if somebody would say to the aircon never falls too far from the tree. <laughs> so I think that's got a lot to do with it. Yeah. But he's got his own qualities and his own skills, mm. and and we got on well. We do, you know, as father and son, we I think we're a, a great team, mm. and believe it or not. We don't see a lot of each other. No. You know, because yeah. I'm at the London office a lot. Um, he's there as well sometimes, but he lives 65 yards from me here on the Hartley Estate, <laughs> and he'd be as well to live 25 miles from me. Yeah. Because yeah, I don't visit him a lot because he, I like to have his private time with his family. Mm. I see him, we're past like ships and that. We, we, by the way, we communicate every hour. Yeah. Every hour on the hour. Something, in fact, something's coming through from now. It's just coming through. Um, yeah, 
So we always have communication, and that's very important. Yeah. Important. Mm. If anyone wants to start up in the car business, what advice would you give them? It'd be very difficult for anybody to start up in any business today. But, and I mean that. I think about how difficult it would be, health and safety, all that shit that goes with it. You know, it'd be very difficult to to start up in a business, whatever it was. But the thing about it is, if somebody wants to do any business and start up on it, and they give it the heart and soul and the effort, and not nine till five, they'll be successful. Mm. They will be successful. Yeah. Advice-wise, I would say, what's the running cost, expenses? It's always key to any business. Mm. You, you could interview, and I'm sure you have, you can interview some people that make one million or 10 million a year, and it costs them 10 million a year to run the business. Mm. They made zero. Mm. That's, they do all, they can have all, all the computers, all the technology, all the statistics, all the research. If they're not taking care of the pennies, they're not taking care of the clients. Mm. As, as, as long as more's coming in and going out, yeah. they're going to make profit. Yeah. Some people don't see it that way. And that's what I've seen over the years. So many partnerships have fallen out because you always get a partnership. You get one who's the front guy who's doing everything and the other guy in the background, right? Mm. The one in the background knows exactly what's happening because he's doing the figures. So when the guy at the front thinks he's made £10, and they have to take the tax and VAT off of that £10, split 50-50, pay the valid to pay the cleaner. Mm. He hasn't earned £10. Yeah. He's earned about one, mm. £1.50. He thinks he's earned 10 Yeah. So when it comes to split up the fallout, mm. he said, we earned 10 He said, no, we didn't. We earned 10 We took the VAT off of it, the tax off of it, running costs, expenses, advertising, blah, blah, blah. Mm. They don't understand it. So yeah. then the fallout. Yeah. So that's running a business, watching your costs mm. on anything. Because you can, you can get carried away with that. Mm. What would be a good car investment around about 50 grand? Around about 50,000, a good car investment. Um, as for a classic goes, a Jaguar. Yeah. Mm. A Jaguar. Porsches have exceeded that now. Yeah. I mean, most Porsches with a hole in the wing, the five holes in the bonnet, and the engine falling out is worth 50 grand. Right. Okay? Yeah. So you're not going to buy one of them. Yeah. Um, and then... A Jaguar, you buy a good E-Type, uh, E-Type Coupe, or you buy even some of the saloon cars, a good condition one, for that sort of price. Rolls-Royce, believe it or not, is, is some 70s Rolls-Royces would be a good buy. Right. And then 100 grand? 100,000 pounds, you'd get, um, you get some Porsches now, we're talking to Porsche level. Yeah. Porsche Henry, you get a few Ferraris. Yeah. 355, is that all right? You get a 328, 355, yeah. yeah. We've got a very nice 355 at the minute, I think, which is 120. Yeah. And you're upstairs. You've got a 348, have you here? Yeah, very nice, yeah. Yeah, are they all right? That's not a good buy. Yeah. That's not that price range. Yeah. It's a good buy, 75,000. Right. Done 9,000 miles. Wow. Good buy it is, actually. Yeah. I don't know why we haven't sold that car. Yeah. yeah I better not go and have a look at that. Yeah, I tell you what, <laughs> you mentioned it as a good buy. I think we'll be talking 12 months time from now, God spares us. And I'll say to you, I told you how good a buy that car was. Yeah. 120. Wow. Or 100. Yeah. You know, mm. I'll see it going that way. Yeah. As opposed to the 75 grand sitting in the bank. Yeah. Yeah. Going down. 4%. 4%. Yeah. And, and that's not keeping up with inflation. Yeah. So it's actually losing 6%. Yeah. What about quarter of a million? What's a good car investment about quarter of a million level? Ferrari. Yeah. Ferrari's very good. Ferrari's strong. Ferrari's been very clever on what they do. Um, 
you know, they, they watch how they manufacture, they watch how they, they, how they, um, how they control the, the stuff that they do. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's uh, they're, they're very good at what they do. Yeah. And what about million? Million pound? Well, just a bit over a million, which is a good investment, is the McLaren P1s. Yeah. I think they're very good for that sort of price. What can you get an F40 for? I'm trying to buy one now. Yeah. As we speak. Yeah, I really like those cars. Yeah, I'm trying to buy one done, uh, done 12,000 miles. Yeah. Very nice car. Mm. I was serious. I only looked photographs the other day. Yeah. Very nice. This is last week. What's going off there? Um, there we go. That's the car. That's the registration. That was last week, look. Tuesday. Mm. Yeah, they're lovely. Aren't I've they? been on the phone to talking to you, trying to make a make a decision, but you won't make a decision. Right. People have got F40s, they get a bit, um, they're a bit paranoid because you know they want the car and the money. Yeah. Because of the value they've gone. Mm. That car's two point two million. Right. Yeah. Had the same car for sale for one point two million four years ago. Yeah, I remember when ago. they were eight hundred and a million. Uh, I had one. I had them for one hundred sixty-seven thousand. <laughs> so we're going to talk some numbers. Okay. I had F40 here for one hundred sixty-seven thousand pounds. I mean, it's quite incredible, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Something conversation the other day to my daughter. She just had a, a new um, Defender. And I was telling her when I, when I was selling cars in the seventies, things like a passenger door mirror was an extra. Used to be known as a PDM. Yes. Passenger door mirror, top tint on the windscreen, sunroof and the sunroof. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Mm. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Rob, can I take just two seconds? Well, we're pretty much done. So. Yeah, we've done it. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk to me about in the um, Best advice you ever remember receiving? The best advice? Never refuse profit on a car. My father told me that. Never refuse profit, in other words. Mm. When somebody's made been your profit, greed destroys. Right. Greed's not a good thing. Yeah. And then worst advice you ever remember receiving? I don't think I've received bad advice. No. You know, I might. They would have come into the, the mistake category, but I don't think I've received bad advice. Mm. So I think, um, yeah, uh, you know, the, the, the best advice I've always taken, as I said to you, is no, never to refuse profit because you'll never go skint taking profit. Yeah. You're making money. Mm. Whether you can make more next week or the week after, that's it. Move on. Yeah. You know, the great thing about life. Entrepreneurs' skills is about moving on. They forget bad deals and, and they're just yeah. driven. When I started writing my book, I was finished on this note. I had to make some reflections over 40 years I'd never made in my life mm. because I'd never had time to make reflections. But because on I, to the next, on to the next. Cause, cause I was Don't writing, look back. Because I was writing a book, I yeah. had to start making reflections because I couldn't yeah. tell my story. Yeah. <laughs> Have you got a copy of my autobiography? No. I'll give you a copy while you're here. Thank you. It's actually better on audio, I'm told, than yeah. it is to read it. Yeah. I don't read books anyway, but it's a bestseller mm. on Amazon for a business. It's yeah. a bestselling car book by a car dealer ever to date. Great. So it took me 12 months to do it one day a week. Yeah. From 8 in the morning to late at night. Mm. But it was, um, it was a great, um, it was one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Yeah. And this show's called Disruptors. What does that word mean to you? It's called what? Disruptors. What does it mean to me? Yeah. Disruption means that it makes you feel uncomfortable. Mm. No? Yeah. And just make, will, this, will this make somebody feel uncomfortable? Will this? Yeah. Depends. If Why it, do you call it disruption? Um, because 
change, forward progress, momentum, not getting comfortable, the opposite of comfort. Which is what we talked about. Yeah. I've talked to you about complacency. Mm. I've told you some of the things that salesmen do that I wouldn't do. Yeah. That people will pick up for this programme. Mm. One thing that people can't see, in my experience, I don't know, and I'm not turning the, the chair around here, but I'm, I'm not a flamboyant person, despite my success and profile. I don't want a private jet. I don't like, I don't want private jets anyway, because I'm claustrophobic. I don't want a yacht because I don't like the sea. Okay, so I'm happy with my golf clubs, a glass of wine, and a good meal. Mm. That, that's fine for me. Yeah. I'm spoiled to drive whatever car I want to drive. It's not a problem to drive them. So, so there's not a problem there. The, the, the point I'm making is, anybody that's challenging somebody with a track record and still doing what they've done successfully over the years would be a bit stupid. So they should watch this podcast mm. and I hope they enjoy it. Mm. And where can we follow you? Find out a bit more about your books and what you do and your cars you've got for sale. It's just on my Instagram page, Tom Hartley Cars. Yeah. And I'm on uh, Facebook as Tom Hartley. And I'm on uh, LinkedIn as Tom Hartley. Mm. And if the followers want to follow me there, the great thing about my followers, uh, as I said, the, I say it as it is. If they ask me a question, I give them the right answer. Mm. If it's the wrong answer, I say I don't know. Mm. So I, I'm very loyal to them as much as they're loyal to me. Mm. And it plays a big part of my life. You know, when I'm in London nowadays, because the brand's so well known down there, it is known everywhere, but in particular, a lot of our customers, 50% are in London. Mm. Very, difficult, very difficult to go anywhere in London and not bump into some of my followers. Yeah. Very difficult. Because mm. they know, they see the name, I don't know it helps you've got a Tom Hartley cap on, but they, they know the brand and they know what I do, and they know it all from social media. Mm. And it's a great thing. Mm. Great thing. I think it's got its weak points, but I think overall, it's a great thing, social media. Mm. It gets people together. Yeah. And it gets people closer, it gets you to learn. I've made so many friends from it. Mm. There's that email that just came through a minute ago. Mm. That's from social media. Yeah. Well, thanks again for having oh, us listen, in the showroom. Really, thank you very much. Bloody expensive podcast. Every time you come here, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I said you can podcast my wife on Facebook. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot, Tom. Yeah, I enjoyed that.